go there. Good morning, everyone. It's so good to be here in the Lord's house. It's so good to be here on a beautiful day, getting an opportunity to worship him. Uh, my name is Pastor James. I'm one of the uh, pastor's elders here. We'll have Pastor Doug preaching here in a little bit, and Pastor Tim's on the front row as well. Um, if you want to meet with any of us, please let us know. We have several elders here as well. We look forward to being able to connect with you. If you want to learn more about our church and you're new here, there's a connection booth right outside the door, outside the sanctuary to the right. Um, if you want to go out there um, after service, they have a gift for you if you're new here, so we look forward to connecting with you as well. Um, a lot of the information that we give out comes via our email, um, so if you're not on an email account, uh, email list, um, please go out to the Welcome Center. They'll make sure you get onto the email list as well. Um, for those that are new as well, after service, of course the service is a powerful service. We sing, we pray, we hear God's Word, but then afterwards we get a chance to fellowship. And a lot of people stay for quite a while after fellowship. So out of the sanctuary to the left, there's a cafe area. We would love it if you would stay and spend some time with us, just getting to know us and spending time there as well. I can't believe we are one week away. Is it one week away for VBS or two? One week, one week away. Um, one week away from VBS as of tomorrow, I would encourage you to invite a friend if you know anybody that would be interested, any families in your neighborhood, um, and we would encourage you to do that. Get them registered as well so we know a good count. Um, I guess there are still, there are gifts and supplies that are coming in. You can just let us know we're housing them in the church office at this point in time. We're grateful to have the Hubbing Home ladies here today, and we're looking forward to hearing you sing. We're here looking forward to hearing your testimonies. It's a powerful ministry right uh, up the road in Oxford uh, that we support, and we look forward to having them with us today. I think that's all I'll say. Let me uh, read a psalm, and then I'll pray over our time. Uh, from Psalm 25, verses 1 through 5. Psalm 25, verses 1 through 5. This is the word of the Lord. It says this, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me know your ways, O Lord, Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Would you pray with me? Lord, as we um, look at that psalm in the beginning of it, it's you that we lift up our soul today as we lift up our soul to you in this invocation. We look up, lift up our soul to you in the singing that we will do, hearing the choir sing, hearing their testimonies. Father, we lift up our soul. We lift up our soul as we hear Pastor Doug preach, Father, from your word. We lift up our soul as we pray, as we leave here, Father, hoping to put what we've learned into practice this week. Father, we lift up our soul. Make Make us know your ways, O oh Lord. Make us know your truth and teach us, Lord, in every element of this service. Help us to see that you are the God of our salvation and help us to honor and worship you, Lord. Lord, I pray for the VBS workers. Uh, Father, uh, 
I can remind, I can remember how I was impacted by VBS workers when I was a young child, Father, and I pray for the young children that will be coming here, seeds planted, maybe the first seeds of gospel grace being planted. So I pray for each worker there, Father, for every element, whether they're working um, behind the scenes or in front of the scenes, Father, I pray that they would know that they are valuable and needed, Lord. And thank you for the Hubbing Home Ministry, Father. Thank you for um, how they are devoted to your Son, devoted to the freedom and the forgiveness that is purchased through your Son, and seeing freedom in women's lives, Lord. We thank you for what they've done year after year, person after person, and I thank you for so many lives that have been transformed, and we pray for these ladies that are sitting here today, that you would do an amazing work in their lives. Lord, I continue to pray for Dan Slack. Father, we pray uh, for wisdom. That man has been through a lot uh, physically. Father, I pray for wisdom for his doctors. Father, for uh, Diana Kelly and Linda Matthews. Father, I pray for them. I pray for their families as well. Father, we are often praying for them and the wisdom for their doctors and healing for their bodies, but we pray for their families that are around them. They're seeing the struggles, Father, and it's so hard for them as well. Lord, I pray for my brother Tim uh, Durier. Father, I pray that you would continue to work your work in his life. Thank you for the ministry that he has been uh, here at this church, and thank you for all that he does, Lord. I do pray for healing for him as well. So, Lord, as we come into this service, I pray that we would honor you. I pray that we would see your son as majestic. I pray that we'd be filled by your spirit, and I pray that we bring glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. sing with us this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness. New every morn. Our sins they are many. His mercy
he lavished on us. His blood was the payment, his life was the cost. Who stood beneath the debt we could never afford? Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Say 
that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Then came the morning. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. I love the silence, the roaring lion. Declared the grave has no claim on me. Jesus, yours is. morning you can be seated quick i hope this morning that you are grateful for the truth that he is risen not just on easter sunday but it is a truth that changes every day of your life if you take it into account and are thoughtful of it on a regular basis so uh by the way amy slack good to see you and your husband and dan great to have you here So, a few years back, I heard a pastor say this. He had a, a lady in his church that was, had a long struggle, long struggle, and a physical battle that lasted for decades. And people would pretty regularly say to her, how you doing? And if you're in her situation, that can get a little old, but God gave her a response that ministered to many. Her response was this. I'm not facing anything that the resurrection of Christ will not cure. So I don't know what you're going through today. I know what Dan's going through. I know what a couple of you specifically are going through because I've talked to you this week. And sometimes the pain and the fear can be overwhelming. 
you have a living hope. His name is Jesus. And he has gone into the darkest and deepest depths of loss and sorrow to show you that he can overcome it. And I hope that as you wrestle and as you battle, you realize that I'm not doing this alone. And I am fighting with someone who has conquered my greatest fear and my greatest enemy. What that means is this. If he can conquer death, there is nothing you're wrestling with that he can't deal with in your life today. And I hope that you will cling to that. Grateful to have the Hoving Home ladies here today because you are stories of hope. I'm conscious that you sing differently because you are aware of the battle. And sometimes those of us outside of a ministry like yours may forget that life is a battle. And we lose the zeal to fight because we get comfortable. And that's sad. And if God allows the pain and the brokenness that you're wrestling with and you're fighting with to remind you that there is nothing Jesus Christ can't heal, then you're in a better place than us. It's a blessing to be aware. It's a blessing to have the secrets out and the shame exposed so God can work. So uh, Beth Greco is with us today. She has been the uh, director of the Hoving Home for, I don't know, is it like five years already? Six years? And uh, Beth's a dear friend. She was uh, part of this ministry for a long time. So Beth, I'm going to ask you if you would come. Uh, this is... The thing I want to say to you is, as you think about the Hoving Home, you need to pray for the people that are in leadership at the home. Because what I as a pastor might complain about on an intermittent basis, because I had a hard week, that's her daily life. Okay? So you think of your worst day, and that is what the leadership team that is devoted to helping these people that are struggling, it's what they live with and do it gladly, but it's not always easy. So as you pray for the home, I pray that you will think about the leaders and uphold them and ask them, ask God to remind them that there is nothing they're facing, that the resurrection of Christ can heal. Amen. Okay. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Tim. You. Okay, appreciate it. It is a pleasure to be with you this morning and to come and share with you about the Hoving Home. How many of you have never heard of us? That way I know how much I need to share. So a few of you, and so it's glad, I'm glad that you um, are here. And thank you for those that are in this church that have been involved and supported and volunteered and given to our ministry. I met Pastor Tim as about 20 years ago. I was about, um, so I've been at the organization for 32 years, started as a student in need of help, and um, went through the program, graduated. You're going to see a video that's going to give you a lot of details about the program, but we, um, we help women that are addicted um, to drugs, alcohol, other life-controlling problems that haven't been able to find a way out. We believe Jesus is the way out. We believe that he is the one that brings lasting life transformation. You're going to hear some testimonies this morning. And um, he changes us. But this church, long before you were in this building, has supported our ministry. Actually, the first gift this church ever made was 19 years ago. You've been giving for 19 straight years supporting our ministry. That's huge. No. No. 
That was long before this church was in this building and long before we were in Oxford, a few minutes away. We were in New York. Y'all have been supporters of our ministry when we just kind of didn't even have a presence in New Jersey, except we took um, women in from the state. About 52% of our women at the time came to New York. Um, to be a part of that program, and we had opportunity. I remember when we first come to see the Oxford property in 2016, and I started looking at the map thinking, okay, who are our partners? Who are our friends? And I saw this church. <laughs> I was like, that's like a no-brainer. This church already comes to New York to volunteer. They're already involved. And, and so I knew starting here with so many friends already in place that we would be embraced and loved. And we've seen that happen. So we have been in Oxford since 2017, Mansfield Township, over on Mitchell Road. If you've not been there, if you've not toured it, feel free to, to see Zoe. Zoe, raise your hand, our program manager. She would love to set you up for a tour and lunch to come see what we do. Um, but, um, but I am just so grateful for partners like you. We, um, we've been around actually for, since 1967, and we've seen over 26,000 women enter the doors of our ministry and have opportunity for life change. Over the last seven years, we've grown about 60%. We've added women and children programs, so women can bring their children with them at some of our programs. And um, our vision is to be in all 50 states by 2050, not for the purpose of growth, but the need is great. In the last 23 minutes, at least 140 people died of overdose. Seven a minute in the United States pass away of overdose deaths. And so as we've been sitting here, over, 150, uh, over 140 people passed away. We see it on our streets. You see it in your families. We see it in our churches. But I'm here to tell you that hope is available and it's in the person of Jesus Christ. And so our women learn about who he is, they learn about who they are, and then their lives are transformed. When you walked in, hopefully you received a program. If you didn't, they're on our table back there. There's a QR code, you can find out more about our ministry on there. Um, but I, I'm grateful for partners and churches. I look around here and feel like I've got friends here. And this church is just full of great people that have supported us and loved us. Me personally, so many of you um, volunteer already. I think your, our ladies are going to your, some of your, some of our ladies are going to your retreat. That's been going on for years. Our alumni probably fill half your retreat because they love being with you <laughs> and they register quickly. But you are a blessing to us. And as CEO, I promise you, we could not do this without people like you. There's not a way. And I think that God does that on purpose so that we recognize our need for each other and that we're in this together. The battle for the lives, especially because I live in the world of women battling addiction, the battle is real and it's today. And thank you for being a part of that and helping us serve the beautiful women that come to the Hoving Home. We're gonna see a video, tell you more about the home, but thank you very much for all that you do. deepest part of my addictions. I was alone 
and my grandmother had attended a church that we all attended as a family as kids and she told my youth pastor and he told me about this place that Mike could help me and I made a collect call and it ended up being the Hogan home in Garrison, New York. I'm Beth Greco, CEO and President of Hogan Home. I've been with the ministry for 30 years and have seen miracles take place. The mission of the Hoving Home is to build a loving community that empowers women to fulfill their God-given destiny. We serve women over 18 struggling with addiction. We also serve, in one of our programs, women with children, that's restoration without separation, as they come and their children live in residence with them. Since 1967, Hoving Home has had tens of thousands of women walk through the door with an opportunity to change their life. For those that complete and graduate our program, there's an 82% success rate for those that never return to their old way of life. I can remember in that first few weeks how hard it was. And I sat in a room one day with the staff, didn't believe at all that I could change. In fact, was telling her I couldn't. And she looked over at me and she said, you may not believe it right now, but would you hang on to my faith? Because I believe that God can change your life. So like myself, many of our women come to just get sober. We think that's what we need. But when you come into a relationship with Jesus and your heart and life is transformed, you get so much more. You don't just get sober. You get peace. You get joy. You get hope. And that's what life transformation looks like. That you have this power to live that you never had before. When a lady enters the Hoving Home, she enters into our phase one, which is our crisis care. A bed to sleep in, good food to eat, and people that care about her. And in that first 30 days, that's really the key, just to help them adjust and feel safe. In the laying the foundation phase, the women will begin to work through the root causes of their addiction, while also learning about who Jesus is and what he can do for them and how he can change them. And as we mix in his love with dealing with their shame and their guilt, they can begin to find freedom. One of the important pieces of the next part of the journey is career and employment readiness. Many of our women don't even know what their gifts and talents are, and they discover it here. We teach computer skills. People can get their driver's license, their GED. They can get mentoring, coaching, counseling. And as they begin to find what they're really good at, then we begin to help them discover what God might have for them for the rest of their lives. And during this time, they're also getting more responsibility. They're being trusted more. And they begin to gain confidence, this God confidence that will carry them through to the next phase, which is transition. Living outside of the program, working a job, being responsible adults, and applying all of the scripture and everything that they've learned along the journey. At Hoping Home, we see that addiction shatters people's lives. It doesn't discriminate, but Jesus reveals shattered lives.
months. Hi, I'm Stephanie. I've been in the program for 12 months and I'm from North Carolina. Hi, I'm Nicole and I've been in the program for two months. Hi, I'm Kathy and I've been in the program for about a month and a half. My name is Janet and I've been in the program for two months. My name is Yvonne. I am 21 and I've been in the program for six months. My name is Lisa and I've been in the program for three months. My name is Cindy and I've been in the program for almost two months and I'm from Jersey. Hi, my name is Lisa. I've been in the program for nine months. Tracy, I'm from New Jersey. I've been in the program for nine months. Hi, I'm Marcy. I'm 42 and I'm from North Carolina and I've been in the program for three months. My name is Sierra. I'm 22. I've been in the program for 10 months and I'm, yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Keaton. I'm 41. I'm from Las Vegas, Nevada and I've been in the program for two months. Hi, my name is Amy. I'm 38. I've been in the program for two months. Good morning, church. My name is Bailey. I'm 26 years old, and I've been in the program for five months, and I'm from Baltimore, Maryland. I'm the youngest of four and the only girl, and we grew up going to a Southern Baptist church. I have an older brother who's 29 years old, but when he was born, he was born with spina bifida, which caused him to have 29 surgeries in his life, and that was really hard to watch growing up. When I was in second grade, my dad went to prison and was labeled a pedophile leaving my mom to raise a disabled son and a daughter with ADHD by herself. And the feelings of being forgotten and abandoned began to run my life. My father came back into my life when I was 14 years old, but I had already masked all the feelings of hurt and rejection by playing basketball. This was my first addiction to escaping the reality of my situation. The absence of my father caused me to start seeking unhealthy, toxic relationships. I met a man when I was 15, and I started drinking and smoking pot. And this was a very physically and emotionally abusive relationship, but I was attracted to this lifestyle because it was the only attention that I knew. When I was 16, I found out that I was pregnant right before basketball season, and the fear of losing the opportunity to play college basketball and having an unsupported boyfriend at the time, I terminated the pregnancy. The overwhelming feeling of loss, I threw myself further into athletics and wanting to be accepted. I then went off to Bible college uh, to play college basketball and to be a youth pastor, but that was only furthering the escape of the reality of my life. When I got to college, I was still unwilling to give up the attention of my abusive boyfriend, so I started living this double life as being this all-star Christian student to falling into alcoholism. The summer going into my senior year of college, my life took a drastic turn for the worse when I was in a very dangerous domestic violence situation with him where he dislocated my shoulder and did many other things to me. I then wanted nothing to do with God, but I still had to finish college. So I, again, just put on that all-star Christian college uh, student mentality and fell further into alcoholism. After I graduated, I wanted nothing to do with the God that I thought I knew. And that led me to meet a man that fit the part that I was attracted to. So I started using an eight ball of cocaine a day. Now I'm stuck in this cycle of domestic violence, drug use, and alcoholism. I found myself pregnant again at 24. Alone and scared, I had another abortion. And that led me to my life to spiral out of control, but then I wanted to go get some help. 
I then went to another faith-based facility and gave my life back to the Lord, what the enemy intended for evil, God intended to use for his glory. But that trap of being that all-star Christian student came back to grip me, and I never started the healing journey that I was supposed to be on, and I only covered the surface-level stuff. I then interned with this faith-based facility and was hired on a staff, but that only lasted two weeks before I relapsed, which led me to the Hoving Home. And since being at the Hoving Home, I've learned that I don't have to be this all-star Christian student anymore because I'm already first place in his kingdom, no longer forgotten, but seen. My future plans are to go to the Leadership Academy that we offer and to help women like myself that were stuck in the cycle of domestic violence, drug use, and alcoholism to break the chain and show them that there is another way. And the verse that I stand on is 1 Corinthians 6.11. But that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God.
the enemy tries to call me. I don't have to answer to any name but chosen child of God. No, I don't have to answer to any name that the enemy tries to call me. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Sierra. I am 22 years old, born and raised in North Carolina, and I'm in my 10th month in the program. Growing up, I was an only child being raised by my grandparents because my mother was an addict, always in and out of jail. And the few memories that I do have with her weren't good memories at all, and I never knew my father. I was very sheltered as a child because of how my mom turned out, causing me to start sneaking out, where I started drinking, smoking weed, and meeting guys. When I was 17, I ended up pregnant, but the father was never really involved. So I was left alone and now scared because I knew my grandparents were gonna kick me out. At 18, I met a man and fell in love and everything was going great for a while until one day, he offered to take me and my newborn son in and everything was going great for a while until one day he came home angry and yelling where he started hitting me, cracking my jaw on both sides and almost breaking my eye socket. I soon found out he started acting this way because he was doing the drugs that he was selling. We physically and verbally fought almost every day after, one of the fights leading me to dislocating my knee. So he of course offered me heroin for the pain. At 20 years old, I found myself consistently using heroin every day, not just to numb the physical pain, but also the emotional pain from all the hurt over the years. I ended up sending my son to go live with a close friend of mine because I didn't want him around all the horrible things that I was doing. Not too long after that, the man that I was dating ended up getting arrested. So I took over his clientele and started selling drugs, which just introduced me to more drugs and more dangerous situations. At this point, I had tried every drug there was, been with many different men, and hadn't seen or spoken to my son in months. But none of it seemed to matter because I had fell in love with the lifestyle I had created, with the fast money and all the attention that I received. But that all came crashing down when I got arrested. That's when I realized the people I had around me didn't really care about me. They only cared about what I had. After serving my time, I got released only to catch another charge four days later. That's when I realized I needed to get help and change my life. So I called my grandmother and I asked her to please come get me, that I was willing to do whatever it took to get help. So she came and she got me and she gave me the number to the Hoving Home Crisis Center in North Carolina, where she had already been speaking to the outreach coordinator there who had been praying for me for weeks. That same day, I entered into the home and I was greeted with friendly, genuine, loving smiles, something that I wasn't used to. I had lost faith in God a long time ago. I started to believe in karma. I did bad things, so bad things happened to me. But that was just the enemy working. I now thank God for everything that I went through because it brought me here. I would have never found God the way that I have if not for my struggles. I'm no longer mean and manipulative, but heartfelt and honorable. No longer bitter and a bully, but happy and humble. I'm now filled with all of the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control that the Lord has promised me. 
And I'm surrounded by all these wonderful women that I get to call my sisters. I get to call and talk to my son almost every day, as well as get to FaceTime him, which just fills me with even more joy. And he's restoring the relationship between me and my mother that I thought I would never have. I hated my mom for a really long time because of her addiction. I truly felt like she was a lost cause. But Jesus thought she was worth saving. And she is currently a student at the Garrison, New York location, and we were actually baptized together last November, which is a testimony in itself. My future plans include going to the Leadership Academy to help lead and guide women like myself to the Lord in all of, his store, all of His glory that He has in store for us. And the scripture that I stand on is Habakkuk 1.5, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told.
Amen? Amen. Thank you, ladies, for coming and reminding us afresh of the wonders of the gospel, the hope we have in the gospel, and the transformation we have through the Spirit into the likeness of Christ. And for that, we are richly blessed. Thank you so much for being with us. Well, if you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn over to 1 Peter chapter 4. Oh, junior church. So ages 5 up through 8. Uh, you know, if you're 8 and a half, you can go too. But um, you can go back to the junior church at this time. So my wife and I were away in Germany. If you haven't wondered where we were, we've been away in Germany for the last two Sundays. And so we just got back, but um, had a wonderful time with family, but very, very happy uh, to be back home again also. Um, so we'll be looking at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. And do we know if this is working, Don? If not, don't worry about it. I'll just do it without the PowerPoint. Oh, I'm up. I'm up. Okay. I might have to tell you when to switch it because I'm not getting anything up here. A couple weeks ago, um, I like to go on BBC because I especially like to read their section on the war in Ukraine because my daughter ministers there in Kiev uh, right now with Samaritan's Purse. And... Um, so I like to kind of read up on that. And I was reading, reading a story of uh, a Ukrainian man who was going with a bunch of other young men, and they'd gone to Britain, and they were, I think they trained for three or four weeks. It wasn't that long. And then they went directly to the front lines to fight against the Russians. I mean, that, that was, that was kind of the, the cycle. And, and it was just, it amazed me to kind of watch these men come together and they were interviewing this fellow and they were saying like, what, 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 what do you think about all this? And he, his attitude was like, hey, um, I want to get prepared and I'm willing to go and be placed in a position of great stress and opposition because I know it's right. And he said in his case, if I die, I die. I thought to myself, that's amazing courage. And, and it, it made me begin to think about all of the saints of God down through the centuries who have said something very similar. I will follow Christ wherever that leads, be exactly what he wants me to be, and whatever comes my way from others who are opposing God, I will accept. And, and you can track right from the early church, right through church history, right up to the present day. I, I had flipped over to um, Open Doors Ministry and go on and, and look at this. They, they keep track of, of persecution to, on Christians all around the world. And, and, and the most recent one was last year, over 5,621 5, Christians were murdered. Over 360 million Christians around the world currently suffer high levels of persecution. 2,100 churches and Christian buildings have been attacked over the last year. And, you know, you just, you look around the world and, and you think about what the church has gone through through the centuries. And, and they've had to have the same mindset as this young man who was saying, I want to be prepared, I'm willing to go, 
and face opposition. And I think of us. The amazing thing about living in America is we don't face that kind of persecution, folks. Now, do we face opposition? Is it growing? Yes, all true. Where will it end? I don't know. But, but, but as you think of that, it brings us to this passage in 1 Peter chapter 4. And, and what Peter's burden is, is to talk to us about having this willingness, not because of foolish things we do, but willingness because we are completely committed to Christ to face opposition. Are we there? Are we ready? What will help us move in that direction? Listen to what he says here. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, the text says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, here's the statement, arm yourself. And it is a military term, okay? It's kind of interesting. Um, Arm yourself also with the same attitude. And if we could pop to the next slide, I don't know who is powered to pop me to the next slide. There it is. That's good. Yep, that'll work. What is it that we should be doing? As Peter speaks to, to, to his day, as God's spirit speaks to us in our day, he says, what I want you to do is I want you to arm yourself with a, cer- a certain kind of attitude, a certain kind of mindset. And it really takes us all the way through the book of 1 Peter, but in particular, Pastor James had spoken on this two weeks ago. It takes us back to chapter 3, verse 15, um, where he said, and even earlier, verse 14, but, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Such an interesting passage. He says, People will fear something. And he says in that passage, don't fear the pressures of the world around you. Rather, fear, or we might say, revere him. And that will control what you say because if Christ is Lord, then you can be ready at any point when people say, what makes you tick? Why would you face this and continue like that? Uh, it's Christ. He's the one that's made the difference in my life. And so you go back there to chapter 3, verses 14 to 17, and he talks all about the same kind of thing. He comes back to it here. That's why he has the word, therefore. Therefore, arm yourself with that same attitude that I've been talking to you about. The question is, why? Why? I mean, honestly, wouldn't it be easier just to coast? I mean, I'm no masochist. I don't like discomfort. I don't like pain. I don't like hardship. Why not just kind of coast through life? And this text says, oh no, oh no. I want you to live out your Christian life so, so powerfully in kindness and in love, but in firmness and honesty and consistency with Christ as Lord. Even if the world around you says, 
don't do this. Why? He gives two reasons in this passage. The first one is found there in chapter 4, verse, the beginning of chapter verse 1. And Don, if we could pop to the next, uh, or whoever does it, maybe pop to the next slide there. Here's what he says. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself. Do you know what he's doing? You find this often in scripture. You have a command in chapter three. Let Christ be Lord. Revere him. No matter what comes your way, live for him. And then what he does is he steps away and he talks to you about the life of Christ. Then in chapter four, verse one, he uses the word therefore to get us back on track again and say, therefore, I want you to arm yourself. Well, why should I do that? Because of the life of Christ. And that launches us back to what was spoken on two weeks ago. And basically what you find is this. Jesus Christ, God of gods, the perfect trinity in eternity past, Jesus Christ has chosen to come and to suffer that he might save us. And here's what's so strange to me. And, and, and sometimes when I read the Gospels, it drives me crazy. Because I'm thinking, here is Christ who is only doing the good, isn't he? Does he ever do evil? No. Everything he does is good. Everything he does is right. It's all about redeeming people, sharing with them the Gospel, healing people, one thing after another. And what does he receive back? opposition again and again and again. And even as he's, he's on the cross, people walk by and they say, there's three crummy criminals. Or people mock and tease and say, hey, come on down and we'll, we'll, we'll believe in you. <laughs> or whatever. And the Bible tells us Christ endures all of that and stays at it because that is what God had called him to, the Father. He stayed right on mission, and even though everybody opposed him, he kept doing the good. And because he did, so many of us today have been redeemed and forgiven by Christ. It's amazing, isn't it? And, but he doesn't just stay there. The one who is obedient is the one who is also exalted. And that's why I put that line up there. You're probably thinking, like, think, Binder, what is the, what's up with the line? It just means Christ has come from the glories of heaven, and he descended even to die on the cross and to die for our sins, and then he was exalted to on high, right? I mean, that's the gospel. And here's what's fascinating to me, and I've said this before. I don't ever start where Christ starts, and I don't ever end where Christ ends. You know? Like, I was never God. I've always been a human. And I start somewhere way down that line, and God says, if Christ would do this, Finkbeiner, can you go, eh, eh? isn't it? And he's writing in this text of Peter, and he's saying, Doug, when it gets hard, where I want you to look afresh is at Christ. Paul will do this in Philippians 2. The writer of Hebrews will do this in Hebrews chapter 12. It's a very, very common way. So 
Why should you and I be willing to follow Jesus Christ, to pick up our cross daily and follow him? You know why? Because he's already done it to a degree and in a way that we will never have to. And he stands there as that ultimate model to give us motivation in that task. But there's a second reason, and it's where the text primarily focuses, and it's found there in verse two and following. Don, if we could go to the next slide there. Yeah. So why should we do it? And here's the other one. Because submitting to whatever comes our way, to whatever suffering may come our way, is both God-honoring and life-changing. This is what he says. Because sometimes you read these verses and they get a little bit confusing. Since Christ also suffered in his body, you arm yourself also with the same attitude. Listen to this. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for, for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Now, is he saying this, that when I became a Christian... And then I make a commitment, God, I want to be, I, I want you to be Lord of, of everything and I'm willing to face whatever comes my way. Does that mean, ding, I never sin again? Like, I'm done with sin. Well, if you think I'm done with sin, just talk to my wife. She can give you a whole list of illustrations. It's not the point. What he's saying is, you're no longer being mastered by its lordship. Do you see? You can live your life under the authority of of the flesh, of sin, of the world, of the devil. Whatever terms you want to use, the scripture uses a bunch of them. But what happens when in in my life I begin to say, God, I want you to be Lord of all, no matter what comes. I want to speak a word for you, even when it's hard, even when the culture says, what? I'm going to cancel you for that. And I say, no, 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 I, 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 I I, got to do that. And and, and this text will tell us that when I do that, when I say I'm not going to go the way of humanity, which lives as if there is no God, I'm going to come underneath the will of God. And you know what happens when you do that? It doesn't mean your life is sinless, because it's not. But it means because he is Lord he begins to change all kinds of areas in your life. And you're done being under the authority of sin. You're done with that. So that as a result, you're beginning to find fleshed out in your life true transformation that can only come because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, to help us unpack that, he kind of gives us three realities. You see them listed up there. I just want to mention them to you briefly and then uh, let you go. As he talks about this life transformation, he says this. He says that a life lived merely by human agenda did not work for you as an unbeliever. So in other words, as people are thinking like, okay, I'm a Christian. I'm in a world where there's growing opposition. Mm, what should I do? He says, well, stop a second. Stop, stop a second. Go back to your former life. Did it work for you? 
Like, where did it lead you? And this is what he says in verse 3. Listen to it. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. Living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. He says, I want you to stop and think. And you may be sitting here and saying like, I wasn't that bad before I became a Christian. Did you not have your own set of idolatries? We all have them. The ladies have, have shared some of their own stories. You go like, hey, I never did heroin. Well, that's good. Maybe you did an obsession with something else. We all do. We all have our list of idolatries. Some may be socially acceptable and some not. But we're all idolaters at heart. And he says what happens is go back from a heart of idolatry that spilled out, spills out in all kinds of ways in their particular situation in the area of sexual perversion and excesses and social excesses. You were engaged in all these kinds of things. And did you wake up on Monday morning saying, now this is life? No. He says, look, you're on a different trajectory if you know Christ as Lord and Savior. That, that's where you're going. It didn't work for you in the old life. Why would you play with it now? It is only a downward spiral. I don't care what your life situation is, if you don't know Christ, you're on a downward spiral. It's the way it works. Whether it's these particular sins or the ones you've created yourself out of an idolatrous heart. Does that, does that make sense? And, and Peter's writing and he's saying, yeah, yeah, the world's going to oppose you inevitably because it doesn't understand some of these things. So um, this is Pride Month, I'm told. I think it was initiated in 1999 by President Bill Clinton, if I remember correctly. And um, would you say there's any pressure in that area on Christians? I mean, like a little? We're, we're, and, and here, folks, here's the reality. You think about it. God has created this beautiful design where sex and that relationship all gets bound up in one thing. The relationship between a man and a woman called marriage for a lifetime. Out of which he often in his good grace allows for children and, and generations and so on and so forth. It's, it's all right here. And what happens is whenever we step outside of God's design, it always puts us on a downward spiral. I don't care what it is. It's pornography. It's, it's, it's sleeping around with somebody else. It's, it's the whole homosexual and, and, and what they're doing with our children on, on transgender issues. Folks, it's crazy. It's just crazy. I, I, and, and here's what's crazy. Sometimes when you say what you think, people look at you like you're nuts. And I'm going like, like what happened? And, and it doesn't mean we should hold those positions in pride and antagonism. No, because we love everybody we talk to, which is why we tell the truth. 
We, 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 we tell people, so would I be in just different ways apart from the grace of Christ. I want you to know as Christ, I want you to flourish as a human. And that can only come from Jesus Christ and what he has established. You see, I mean, that's how we talk. That's what we believe. But you're in a world that often doesn't listen. Are you willing to move into that world and do the good for the glory of God regardless? I pray we are, folks. And so one of the things he says is, think about your own life. It didn't work for you. You know what he does in the next verse? Think about the world around you. It's not working for them. Look at what he says here in verse, uh, verse 6. Um, verse 4, sorry. But they are surprised that you do not join them in their recklessness, in their wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. You see what he's saying? Now think about this. You lived this lifestyle once, maybe not in exactly the same way as that, but you were apart from Christ as an idolater, as a sinner, doing your own thing. My, my, my theme versus lost person was, I'll have it my way. Okay? You know, that, that's, that's the way it is. You come to Christ, and you now move back into that world with good. The gospel. What God wants for people. And they oppose you. I, I, I'll never forget... I became a Christian when I was in third grade. Heard the gospel clearly for the first time. Um, and I still remember going back into the public school, um, AM Culp uh, School. And I just remember thinking to myself, as soon as I share this with, with people, there's going to be a mass revival among all the third graders. <laughs> I know, I, I still remember in my mind. I think like, I'm going to go in and say, hey, do you guys know that Jesus died for our sins? And He'll forgive us. He'll change our life. We'll become Lord. And, and people started laughing and mocking. I'm a third grader, you know, so I mean, they, they do it different ways. And I thought like, what's wrong with them? You know what he says in this passage? The world around you will look at you who no longer live like that slowly by God's increment, by his grace. And they will look at you and say, is that Bill? Like, what happened to Bill? I mean, like, and, and they're completely confused thinking, why aren't you doing what we're doing anymore? So the world around us is deceived. Now, they may tell you that they're living the good life. They may tell you all kinds of things. But folks, in their quiet moments alone, they know that's not true. And this text says, when you, God calls us to be his people in the world around us, no matter what comes our way as we declare the truth. Remember that the world around you is deceived. They don't know the truth. And remember that what they'll often do in result from that, as a result of that is they'll insult you and they'll ridicule you, and they'll cancel you, and all kinds of things. And Peter says, don't be surprised at that. They don't know. 
They think they know, but they don't know. They don't know the true and living God. And therefore they're deceived and they react against you because they don't know what else to do. And here's the sad part. They're under the judgment of God. I mean, that's the truth. And so we shouldn't be going into that, those situations in any kind of adver- adversarial way, but rather saying, I'm one beggar telling another beggar where I found bread. You can have hope too. And we declare the truth to them again and again and again. But folks, that's what we do. No matter what comes, Christ is Lord. It didn't work for you. doesn't work for them, but it does work for those who know Christ. Look at verse six. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to to the body, but, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. Now I have to tell you, this, on the surface, it's not, a really, it's not an easy verse. I'll just give you my take on it, just with our time and all. I think what's, what he's saying here is this. He's been talking about living and dead. And I think he's now turning, turning um, and, and focusing on, on this fact. The world around you that is deceived will look at Christians who have died, maybe some because of persecution. And their evaluation of those individuals is that was just a person who did the Jesus thing and is now gone. Because that's what they see. That person was here, they're now gone, big deal. Verse six says, although men may evaluate you like that, God gives you life. And in the spirit, because of the spirit of God, in accordance with God's will, because you know Christ is Lord and Savior, you will live forever. If I'm going to live forever in the wonders of God's glory, with Jesus Christ, my Lord, you think I can put up with anything a little bit right now? Like, a little? You see how he's reasoning? Look, the old lifestyle didn't work for you. It doesn't work for them. But to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, though they may misunderstand you and just write you off, you are a child of God, born again, forgiven, secure, who will live for all eternity. And so, Don, if we could pop to the last slide. I would say for us, willingly face non-Christian opposition for your faith, not because you're being foolish, but because you're passionate about Christ. Because of Christ's example to us and because of God's life-changing design for us. You know the song that we often sing, I have decided to follow Jesus? Do you know the background to that? 150 years ago, 
there was massive revival for missions, both in Europe and in America. And several Americans, American believers, went to northern India to proclaim the truth of the gospel. And the tribes in northern India were diverse, and some of them were cannibalistic, if I remember correctly. It was a very, very different setting. But, but in the midst of ministering to these individuals, Naksang became a Christian, he and his family. He had a wife and two kids. Um, he, compl- he became a Christian. Christ was everything. The village chief was so upset that he called everybody together. He put, not put Nang Singh right in the middle with his wife and children. And he said, you will denounce your Christian faith now or you and your family will die. And he said, I've decided to follow Jesus. And they killed his two children right in front of him. And he looked at him again. He said, you will denounce your faith. And he said, I want to make sure I get the verses right here. Though none join me, still I will follow. And he killed his wife. And he looked at him again. He said, this is your last chance. Your wife is gone. Your children are gone. You will denounce Christ and all of this Christianity stuff. And he went on to say, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. And they killed him. Do you know that was the basis of that song that was written? Missionary picked up on it and later got to a hymn writer, I think, in the 1950s, or I don't remember the exact journey. New believer who's willing to give up everything because of his love for Christ. I wonder, could I sing that song in that same setting? Could you? I pray that we can. And this text says, arm yourself with that mindset. You know what that tells me, folks? Don't wait till it gets real hard. Start now. Young people, you're in school, high school. Those little discussions that you have where the Spirit of God says, say something and you say no, Ask God to help you to say something. You're at work and you're thinking, you're calculating. If I say this and do this, it could mean this for my... Say something. And watch God use you in what we might call the little skirmishes of life. So that one, one day when it gets more and more difficult, because of God's working in your heart now you'll be ready. It makes me think of David and Goliath. Somebody has said that David was like an NFL football team. He had already beaten the Lions and the Bears and he was now ready for the Giants. Whatever. (laughs) Whatever. Yeah, you know, whatever. Whatever. Somebody said it. I didn't say it. Somebody else said it. I'm just sharing it, passing it on, whatever. 
but, 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 you know, but, but you know what the message is there? Yeah, really, you know what the message is there when you read that passage? David had learned to win the little skirmishes in life in the backside of a desert when nobody saw him. And when the big one came, David was ready. And Peter says, arm yourself, prepare yourself now. Let Christ be Lord now. Read the scriptures, read stories of the martyrs, share this with other people, pray for God's strength, take the opportunities that he gives you. And don't be surprised what happens. I didn't tell you the end of the story, did I? That entire village ended up coming to Christ. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, and I, I don't know if that's going to happen with us either, okay, folks? I'm not saying you do that. There's master. I have no idea. But I do know this. You will honor God, and you will be a different person who will be thankful that you did. Father, we thank you for your word. It's simple. So often it's simple to understand. It's completely impossible for us to live apart from your enabling grace. Lord, I, I pray in a crowd this size, there's some that don't know you as Lord and Savior. Would your spirit work in their hearts, open their eyes to the truth of the gospel that they might come and accept Christ alone as their Lord and Savior. Find forgiveness from him. And Father, for us as believers, may we arm ourselves, may we prepare now for whatever it might come by making you Lord of all, speaking the truth in whatever area it needs to be spoken because we love you and we love the people to whom we speak and we must declare the truth. Father, help us to be those kind of men and women. In Christ's name I pray, amen. was lost in darkest night, yet thought I knew the way, the sin that promised joy and life had led me to the grave. I had no hope that you would own a rebel to If you had not loved me first, I would refuse you still. But as I ran my hell-bound race, 
indifferent to the cost you looked upon my helpless state and led me to the cross and i beheld god's love displayed you suffered in my place you bore the wrath reserved for me To follow your commands could never come from me. Sing this out to him. Oh, Father, use my ransom life in any way you choose. And let my song forever be my only boast is you. God. Um, before I close in prayer, Sherry wanted me to let all those that are volunteering for VBS, we want to stay after church, kind of come over in this area here. She wants to have this, uh, a meeting with you. Um, we want to do it right after church, right over here, if you wouldn't mind. Thanks. Amen. Let's pray.
our gracious Heavenly Father. Such a great message today. We had it in First Peter with Doug's lesson. We've heard it from the Hoving Home girls and the women there that wanted to sing to us, dear Lord, in praise. It's maybe my story, dear Lord, but it's all for your glory. It's all for your glory. Everything that we do, dear Lord, everything that you have put in our path, help us to, as Doug said, step out, proclaim your name, dear Lord, and just start with the littles, the little things, and see how God changes, changes us, changes the world around us. I pray that you be with each of us. Be with our families as we part today. Thank you for just coming together in fellowship with you with fellow believers. Help us to go into the world and step out and proclaim your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.